Richard. And I'm Tom. And welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast. This week we are looking at another perhaps iconic episode, Kung Fu Capers, also known as I'm sure many of you would refer to it as Eki Thup. Yep. First broadcast on the 24th of March 1975, again on Monday at 9pm. For the second week in a row, gentlemen, we have an episode that has got, I I think it's fairly to say legend status, not least because I think this is... Bill's favourite episode, I think he said openly. What did we all think? Tom? Absolutely deserves all the praise it gets. It's an absolute classic in the goodies iconography. Richard? I enjoyed it. I'd say it's probably the most iconic episode after Kitten Kong. I think it's one that a lot of people, when you think of the goodies, it's probably one of the ones that, that mm. spring to mind. I enjoyed watching it. I had a lot of fun. I suspect it's possibly one that relies on the fact if you get the northern references and you think the idea of people being belted with black puddings is really funny, then I think we get a lot out of it. If you don't buy into the, the ideas behind the story, I, I suspect you might fall a little flat, though. Rob? I have lots of memories of this when I was younger. I can dimly recall people crying ecky thumpy in the playground. It's got lots of great imagery. It's actually a Bill-centric episode, which is pretty unusual. Looking at it again very recently for this, I thought it was good, could have been better, but I, I thought it was good. Yeah. Which brings it round to me. Look, at the risk of committing heresy, I do struggle with this episode. When I rewatched it for this podcast uh, last week, I, I did actually find some good stuff in it, particularly the northern stuff, because I've got family and relatives from there, so I get, I get that. I do have a couple of problems with it. Part of it is that whilst I'm aware of the kung fu movie genre, I've never really seen any, so I'm not really steeped in it. So, Although, although I got that, it didn't mean much to me. And yes, I didn't think that the Eki Thump joke did get quite tired quite quickly. I suspect that it's also a problem here is one of expectations. And at the risk of committing double heresy, I kind of put it in the same box as Faulty Towers, which is is, is a perfectly good, funny sitcom. But if you go into that expecting the Most best sitcom ever, and... You'd be right. Well, you see, I, I don't think it is. I, I, so I think it's just something that I, I can appreciate. And I'm not saying this was bad, but I certainly didn't think it was nearly as good as its reputation suggests. And I did struggle with some of it. As I said, the northern stuff's the stuff that I do get. But look, that's fine. We can have divergent opinions. Let's get into it. It opens with Tim Brooke Taylor and Graham Garden practicing a sort of a confetti book? version of karate, I guess you yeah, say. Yes, so like they have the yellow and black teach yourself book yeah. uh, yet again. It's, it's a bit uh, like a pyjama party that's gone really wrong. <laughs> teach, teach yourself kung fu. Yes. Yeah, that, that sequence actually was quite funny. The whole, you know, stopping halfway through the move to turn the page and, and work out what to do next. Tim's slow motion attack on Graham, who is then moved out of the, the That was really funny. Hold up two fingers. No, not like that. That's <laughs> right. That, yeah. I thought that was really funny, because you're like, well, that's how they do it in the movies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You missed. Yeah, and the constant bowing to each other sort of undercuts it nicely as well. I, I thought so. And, and look, the audience get when Graham does his nerve center attack on Tim, and he suddenly has a delayed reaction, and then starts jerking around before <laughs> fall. The audience get a real kick out of that. Yes, mm. and I also very much like Graham's line, particularly the delivery. There's an old legend that the king of kung fu 
doesn't cry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you don't know David Carradine's TV series Kung Fu mm-hmm. from that era, I suppose it's not surprising if you don't get too much out of a lot of this episode. It, it, it does borrow very heavily from Kung Fu. It does. Kung Fu in Britain started in 1973. Mm. It was a phenomenon across the ITV, ATV at that stage. So again, they've gotten to the popular culture of what's current and huge in Britain at that time. Yeah, and I, they've just pastiched that. Yeah, and I've never seen that or anything like that. So again, I get the send-up of karate, mm. but I don't get the subtleties of it. In, in yeah, I, I do remember Kung Fu. I must have seen it on repeat. So I, I do remember seeing it, and mm. I'm probably old enough that I remember the tail end of the Chop Socky explosion of Kung Fu movies. Mm. Bruce Lee. Yes, I remember in the late 70s going to, I can't remember what movie it was, but sitting in the cinema and they actually had a trailer for... Well, what was billed as his last movie, the recut that they turned into Game of Death. Mm. Plus, of course, there was an Australian kung fu movie, The Man from Hong Kong, yes. with, with George Lazenby. <laughs> James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> which, of course, features the classic line, This is Australia, mate, not 55 days at Peking. <laughs> Fair enough. So, at that point, Bill comes in to interrupt them, and he starts bragging about the... How, how Kung Fu is meaningless yes. and how the real martial art is yes, the, the uh, secret Lancastrian art of Ecky Thump. Of, of which he's a grand master. <laughs> so they, you know, beg him to tell him the story and, and, and he just, so this brings us into a whole sort of long, I don't think, what would you call it? It is a film sequence technically, yeah. but I don't think it's sort of, you know, what we're used well, to in terms no. of the No, the, the, first, the first part of it particularly is straight out of Kung Fu. Yes. yes. The whole it's walking down the beach, beach yeah. and then Panning back and it is actually the beach, yeah. Yeah, as so, opposed to crossing yeah. the American West. Mm. Yeah. So he talks about, you know, it starts with his journey to the Mystic East, and that, of course, being Rochdale. The fish and chip shop in yeah, Rochdale. The Mystic East. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, yeah, you know, all, all, all those tracking shots of sort of deserts and beaches in the Mystic East become a very bad beach on the east coast of England, and, mm. you know, temples become fish and chip shops and all that sort of thing. And look, this stuff I actually do quite like in some ways because. You know, my family's from the north of England. I've got a brother-in-law from the north of England where my sister now lives. So I've spent a bit of time there. I, I appreciate, you know, northerners and that sort of distant nature to it. Look, I've got aunts and uncles and cousins who have lived 50, 60 years in London and have maybe been to the north of England once, if that. Like, it's just somewhere that people, particularly back then in London, you just don't go to the north. You know, it's just... Kind of like, you know, us going to far north Queensland, I guess, you know. Ah, okay. it's, it's just It's just up there. It's mystic and different. So yeah, there's some, there's some very clever stuff in that, and, you know, lots of wonderful English accents. So Bill, of course, was born in Rochdale, which is within the Greater Manchester area. Now, all the goodies were from the north. Yeah, well, Tim, Tim's from Manchester proper, I think, and Graham, well, he was born in Scotland, but I think grew up in northern England, didn't he? Oh, I think so. Yeah, and Bill himself actually moved to Birmingham at a fairly young age. But yeah, his background and roots were in... Rochdale in the Manchester area. So they've sort of got that genuine heritage down there. I do like, you know, some of the jokes like demanded proof of my devotion and you know, hands over the cash. <laughs> <laughs> there is some good imagery in there. He has the ritual bath that cleans him and he's in there with the unguents to cleanse his soul. And something of Ajax scouring powder. <laughs> and, you know, the mystic Eastern women with their mystic phrases. You know, I, li- I liked all of that. That's quite clever stuff. It probably goes on a little bit for a while and it does actually get a bit weird at the end where Bill sort of goes from being a novice to a grand master 
all, all in the space of sort of one training session mm. rather than sort of becoming actually an apprentice. But I think the inferences be there, he's been there for a while. I, I, I think that's what I get there. Because okay. he starts off as a novice and they go in, he has the cleansing bath and he meets the Grand Master and they go in. And then, of course, they have the, the ritual meal. Yeah. Uh, it's the, all like, the black pudding and the chip booties and the yeah. park. And, yeah, it, it's sort of like that, that was their way of life and there's no specific time detailed. My grandfather is from Morecambe, which was sort of on the coastal part of Lancashire. I, I don't ever remember having a black pudding. I do remember him having a recipe for parkin that he and his members of his family used to make, which is sort of like a treacle-based bread. It's very sticky, uh, yeah. very sweet and sticky. Yeah. I've got nothing to add to that. <laughs> what, is, what is the Grandmaster wearing on his eyes? Is it sort of spoons with the handles cut off? Uh, it actually, I think that's what they, perhaps the prop is. Again, it's, it's straight out of Kung Fu, because no. in Kung Fu, Kane would eventually drift back to teachings that his master had given him. Who's and blind. the master who always said he was blind, of course yeah. he had the, yeah, no, like the sparkly eyes. Yes. Uh, okay, yeah, I wondered about that yes. as well. Yeah. No. Uh, and that, uh, what is black pudding? It's basically blood sausage. You get the peck and pass recipe later in the yes. thing, but it, it's basically blood sausage. So oh, poor little tomcats. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's lined in um, cow stomach. It's blood. Oh, it's so pig. it's all that stuff that they're mentioning. It, well, well, they don't involve kittens and dung. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, you know. what sort do you eat? <laughs> I mean, look, there is actually just on the Lancastrian references in there. There is, and we haven't really made a lot of mention of the Goodies Rule OK Fan Club. We will when we get to our Goodies in Australia episode. There is quite a good article on there by a member about the Lancastrian's Guide to Secrets of Ecky Thump, yeah. which goes through a lot of the references in the story. Um, it is quite a good read. Okay. So you can go and search that out. It's uh, www.grok.org. Yes. The Goodies Rule OK Fan Club. Under articles. Check it out. It's good. We pull back out of Bill's little story and then... They basically want to test out his martial art against theirs. Yeah, well, they go, they go through the bit before that where they're trying to get him, teach us what the secret is, tell us the secret. He's like, no, 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 it's not for the uninitiated. They try to get around it by saying that they're not interested in Eki Thump because they know other martial arts, such as the Welsh martial art of Yaki Da, <laughs> the French martial art of Ahohihon, <laughs> the Scottish martial arts of Hoots, toots, ochai, the new, and what appears to be a Jewish martial art of oy vey, taught by Tim's uncle Izzy. It's actually in that sequence that uh, Graham flubs his line, doesn't he? Yes. Whether he was almost overcome by laughter, or yeah. Mr. And, and I think just just digressing for a second, I think that's the thing because we're still very much in, as we've mentioned in a couple other episodes, these are being made at a real shotgun pace. This was again another one that was filmed on the Friday cut over the weekend and then transmitted on the Monday. So I suspect that's probably a, a function of the fact that they probably don't have time for retakes no. unless it's a major flub, so they, they just keep going. Mm. And having worked Bill up and talked up their own different martial arts, this leads into a fairly famous part of the episode, which is the challenge or the fight scene. <laughs> now, I'm going to say, gentlemen, this didn't land for me at all, partly because, frankly... I don't think that people getting hit over the head with the black pudding and falling down either works or is funny. Tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. But but isn't it the absurdity of it, the gag? Because I mean, you you watch these increasingly absurd. I mean, Graham comes in blacked yeah. up as Ali, yes. and, and then sort of goes into a, a semi minstrel impression. Yes. But you then go through. I mean, you've got the French who comes in and like touches Bill up with a breadstick. The Australian with the boomerang who comes in and throws the boomerang and misses and then gets thumped. And then you've got the Scotsman who obviously comes in, uses the bagpipe to knock the... And, and very nearly wins, clearly, because he knocks the black pudding out of Bill's hand. Mm. 
only to be only like straight out of Roadrunner, yeah. basically to be crowned by the returning boomerang. So but I, I just thought the absurdity of it was what made it yeah. funny. It's the yes. broad stereotyping and it's the absurdity that really works. And it's, I think it's a bit of the physical comedy because once Graham goes down, he goes down, you know, and yeah. tangle of arms and legs. And for that, that's why that sort of sequence works for me. Because you watch Timmy sort of like, you know, hits what's obviously meant to be pressure points or whatever yeah. with the breadstick, realises it's done nothing. Mm. And then it's like, oh no. He <laughs> gets thumped. Yeah, but, look, I, I can praise the performance in there. I'm not saying it's terrible. It just, for me, it's like, okay... It just, just doesn't quite land for me. Fair enough. Okay. Now, because Bill is now the recognised martial arts champion by beating his friends, that clearly elevates him to martial <laughs> arts champion, we then get into the next step where Eki Thump now becomes a craze. There's a phone call there with John Conto on the phone. Now, he was actually the world heavy, light heavyweight boxing champion, mm. is, is the phone call Bill takes. But then, of course, you go into the whole pastiche of you now start to have all these martial arts movies that have now been ecky thumpified, yeah. such as Big Pud, which yes. is the takeoff of Big Boss, yeah. and Enter with Dragon. <laughs> Enter the Dragon. With, yes, yeah. and, and ecky Thump meets Mary Poppins. As directed by Ken Warren Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's some clever stuff in there and some disturbing stuff I, in there. I think the best bit probably out of that next sequence, which is the Nationwide Report. They get the real Nationwide presenter, Michael Barrett, who starts off with what's quite a serious discussion about the Yankee Thumb, and he's got the psychologist there, and then it's just looks over and just whops him one. And then, now for the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> and he takes off. So. Takes off. Whoa! <laughs> Yeah, and then you see how Ecky Thump is affecting the country. And there's what is a really, really well done sequence there of Harold Wilson going into number 10 and then suddenly stepping back out to belt the copper. <laughs> that was really well done. I don't know what footage that was originally, but that's quite clever. Yeah, there's some good stuff there, I certainly think. After being beaten by Bill, Graham and Tim clearly are hospitalised and come back into the office. Graham's on crutches that have the... Plastic cast. Plastic cast feet on them. And Tim... <laughs> <laughs> and Tim is in a karate pose, so he's ready for action. And you note that Graham collapses on the beanbag beneath the it's given time. And yes. I imagine the, uh, the number of the chart listing has been updated. Yes, it has. It now says it's still given time, <laughs> and they're now at number 23 in the charts, clearly, when that was recorded. Oh, well, well, Which well, is an increase from last week. Mm. So Bill is leading a revolution. He's got his little red book. <laughs> Very on point for that era, I suppose. Yes, they go up to the, the typical Lancastrian parlour or receiving room. Yes, for traditional tea ceremony. <laughs> it's, just to digress slightly, it's remarkable, and I've said this before, how within a small geographic place like uh, Britain, there's such a diversity of accents and uh, culture. I mean, yes. you know, it, it, that whole thing is just completely alien to me. I've got no idea. And yet it exists. It's very strange. Well, it does. I mean, you travel the length and breadth of Britain. I mean, the, the accents down in the, the southwest, as opposed to when you get up north. I mean, it's a function of history, obviously, but the way it persists over many yeah, centuries is, is interesting. But anyway, mm. uh, yes, and I've now got you know nieces aged you know three and one who are learning to speak with a Yorkshire accent, which is <laughs> which is very disturbing. <laughs> but that's okay. My father and brother-in-law speak with it as well. So what can you say? Having discovered that Bill intends to lead the revolution, Graham and Tim and they make the joke, now he's useless without his pudding, aren't we all? <laughs> Doesn't that sort of link into a lot of the imagery, especially the movie poster cards, where there's a rather phallic black pudding in you know, Bill's hand in those posters? It's just very striking. But to make the serious point, we now do become one of those episodes where it's two goodies yes. versus the third who's gone a bit crazy. Yes. Mm. <laughs> 
It is. Deciding that the uh, secret to Ecky Thump is the puddings, they set about sabotaging the production of the puddings for tomorrow's march. Go to Peckinpah's Perfect Puddings, Northern Blacker, <laughs> and proceed to insert the radio control devices into the puddings as they're being produced. Now, the ingredients of the puddings here are pig's blood, calves' stomachs, oh, poor little Tom kittens, <laughs> rats' brains and dung. <laughs> <laughs> which clearly Graham wallowing around the mixture will ruin the flavour. <laughs> yeah, looks a good visual comedy there from Graham as he falls in. Puts all the little, little electronic marbles in there. Little radio control devices. His yes. fall into that vat was astounding because it was almost a full somersault. Yes, it was. In, probably so. to protect his neck, actually, as he goes in. Yeah, yeah it'd be pretty yeah. shallow, so... And that leads to the final battle. Now, there's some very good visual gags in the final battle. I think the, the one of, you know... Graham just sort of flying through the air is quite good. The flying kick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> through the fence. Clearly on a wire of some sort. So. And, you know, all, all the visual gags, obviously, as the puddings start to go a bit crazy and do all sorts of bizarre things. Yeah, that, uh, funnily enough, actually, that sequence was probably the bit that where it fell down a bit for me. I think I'd really enjoy the episode up to that point. I must admit that final sequence fell mm. a little bit flat for me. And it all ends with them going off a cliff. And I, and I think that was probably the bit, because suddenly there's the tea cart, obviously, and Bill goes yeah. to get a refreshment, and he winds up riding the tea cart, and then they, of course, follow him, jump on, mm. and then that's really the end of it. They yeah, go over the cliff, thing, and that's the end. Although, having said that, there is a little disclaimer at the end about being careful when you practice Kung Fu, because it's done by professionals. Professionals, yes. Yeah, which, again, is straight out of the end of Kung Fu, and I believe that had to be added, purely simply because there were kids in the playground trying to emulate what they saw on the show, and hurting themselves. Kids will be kids, won't they? Mm. So we, we come to the end of the episode. I guess the two threads that run the way through this, there's the making fun of that sort of northwestern slash northern slash Lancashire culture, which is, you know, I, I think for me that's the funnier part of the episode. And then there's the black pudding gag, which didn't land for me. I think if both of those jokes land for you and you're really into the kung fu stuff, I'd get exactly why this would be a great episode. Clearly it's got a lot of very personal value to Bill himself being a bit of a talk talk about his backgrounds and his interests. So I guess that's why he likes it. But, look, for me, I actually think it's the weakest of certainly this sort of run of this area. Not awful by any means, but it genuinely doesn't land for me. Now we've spoken about it, Rob, where do you stand? Uh, I think there are weaker episodes in this particular run. I I liked it. I don't think it's fantastic. There are much stronger episodes. I think it's a good Bill episode. Mm. I think a lot of the time sort of Bill comes in and out and the other two sort of dominate. But this is really good. It's a good performance by him. He gives a lot of, a lot of good line readings through the lines that he's given. It takes me back to my childhood. It's a bit of fun. There's some really good memorable sequences. It's okay. Richard? Yeah, as I said at the top, I enjoyed watching it. I got a lot of laughs out of it. Going through it now, uh, yeah, the, the final probably four or five minutes probably fell a bit flat for me. But uh, no, I, I still think it's a really good episode. For me, it's a top ten episode. Uh, certainly up there as one of my favourites. Yeah, for you and a lot of people, I think a lot of people really like this one. So um, if you feel we haven't given it justice, that's fair enough. I get, I get why people like it. It's just as I say. And maybe maybe for self and Tom, look, we have held a screen used black pudding. We have. Tim, when he came here for the convention, the club ran Kitten Con here in 2000, he actually brought uh, and auctioned off a screen used black pudding and a flat cap. How do you declare a black pudding prop? At customs, I wonder. You know, it was just rubber hosey. Well, because Bunnings, because we made some. Yes, we did, because uh, Tom and I and, and another one of our uh, associates, yes. actually, we found some black tubing 
and yeah, got some string and we were making them and selling them for like three bucks each or something at the con. We actually sold quite a few of them. Too, <laughs> I but, still got mine. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> but yes, that is all they were. They were basically just lengths of rubber tube tied off with string. Because, and I think as, as that article earlier said, the real black puddings aren't a long truncheon type shape. They are yes. actually a horseshoe. They are, yes. Mm. But yes, that was, I must admit, that was actually quite interesting to see those because the flat caps really were just these big, they were a big flat cap, but they actually had a frame inside them to hold the, the shape. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one final note just before we go into our regular segments. Off the back of this episode, the Goodies released a song called Black Pudding Bertha, which apparently I believe was their third highest charting single. Okay, yeah. I think. We are, obviously, as these episodes have been made, charting the progress of the Funky Given. <laughs> 23. Yes, which I think climbed into the top five, but I don't think it reached, didn't reach number one. I don't think any of them reached number one. No, the in-betweenies, I think, sold more because it was a Christmas record. Yeah. I think. We are going to do a special on the goodies music in a little bit, but anyway, we digress. Regular segments. Uh, regular segments. So, firsts and tropes. We have a Max Bygrave mentioned. Yes, another yeah. Max Bygrave. Sing along a Max, volume 98. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or sleep along a Max. Yeah, or sleep along a Max, yes. We have a mention of Cricklewood. Mm-hmm. It's another episode, I think the second now, where the goodies all get killed at the end. Yes. Uh, which becomes more of a staple as they go on. Any others? I think Harry Corbett is mentioned at some point. Uh, uh, yes, yes, he is, is actually. Yes, yes he, he is. is. And, of course, the use of blackface. Alfred Graham is yes. the boxer. And then they had the yeah, and that, that is actually what you couldn't get away with, but it is starting to become a trope, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the uh, allow me to elucidate, you do when you clean it up yourself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, perhaps we'll go from there straight into our what you couldn't get away with today segment. Most of that middle fight scene probably would be contentious. Uh, some of it, certainly Graham dressed as Muhammad Ali would, would be a problem. Yes. I, I don't, you certainly couldn't do that now. Tim calls Bill a poof at one point yes. uh, when they're trying to get him riled up. Uh, there's the use of the word pansy as well. Yes. Bill calls Tim a Ponzi public school pansy. Yes. Mm, not sure that you'd be able to do that now. There's, there's probably also the bit where the woman is, well, certainly assaulted and possibly uh, yes. sexually assaulted by the black pudding behind the bush. The tea oh, yes. lady. Where it chases yes. the tea lady in behind the bush and you see her really jumping up and down as it yes. uh, attacks her. Mm. Yeah, attacks is a good word. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, look. All the goodies episodes are obviously of their time. I think this one is very, very deeply implanted, both in its comedy and in its source material, very deeply into the mid-70s, more than some others, I think. Yeah, well, I suppose it it does draw, uh, as we've said a couple of times, it does draw very heavily. I mean, look, you could probably make the Northern jokes at any time, and and a lot of comedy series have done it. But I think that that particular, the kung fu element for it really is very mid-70s. Yes, Mm, very much so. All right, we'll move to our favourite gags. Tom, your turn. Look, I am. I think I'm a fan of just the opening bit of Tim and Graham doing the Kung Fu segment, trying to learn it and hold up two fingers. No, not like that. Yes, like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go for the fight sequence in the middle because I thought that was just really absurd and which made it really funny for me. Uh, The bit where I laughed the hardest was the various different movies that came along and particularly Enter the Dragon. I thought that was quite clever and I, I, I did enjoy that a lot. Rob? Uh, like Richard, I really liked the fight sequence in the middle but I also was taken with the nationwide sequence as well. I think Eki Thump, the art, the martial art of Eki Thump is really just mindless violence. Basically, there's no yeah. art to it. So. And, and the sequence with the presenter just belting into, into his guest, actually, yeah. that, that just comes out of nowhere. And then taking off after the Archbishop of Canterbury is uh, enjoyable. <laughs> All right, so I think we've uh, explored that one fairly thoroughly. 
I hope you've enjoyed that. And next week, we will be back with Lighthouse Keeping Loonies, which I must admit I'm looking forward to. So until next time, why don't we all take a walk in the Black Forest? And yes, we all know this is the episode where the guy died laughing. Yes, that's right. Uh, 50-year-old Alex Mitchell, who died of, a, well, I guess, a heart attack when he was watching this episode, but famously his wife, or his widow by then, uh, wrote to the goodies and said thank you for making his last 25 minutes on Earth such a fun, wonderful experience for him. Yeah, I believe it initially came to the attention because it came up in his funeral and the press apparently picked up on it as well. Yes, and the goodies have since confirmed him with the letter and everything. Yes. And apparently they say it was actually the Scotsman part that was the the moment that finally... Um, so it was Tim. Yes. <laughs> finally pushed him from this world into the next. If you're on the Wikipedia page about this episode, it does go into that in a bit more detail. Uh, detail that I don't think we need to go on here. Maybe we'll just end with a moment of reflection for departed goodies fan, Alex Mitchell. No, I'm not. Well, if he's not going to tell us the secret of Ecky Thump, I shall not, after all, tell him about my Uncle Taffy, who practises the even more deadly Welsh martial art of Yakida. <laughs> In that case, you probably don't want to know about the mysteries revealed to me by my cousin Pierre, master of the French martial art of Ohonihon. What's that? What's that all about? Never you mind. I shan't even allude. Allude not? To my wee cousin Hamish, who has a black sporran in the Scottish martial art of Hoots Toots Ochai the Noon.